is up, you guys? Welcome to Ratchet Dojo Radio. I am your host, Ro The Show. In this podcast, we're going to take you down, pass your guard, and then steal your girl. Thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome to Ratchet Dojo Radio. I am your host, Ro The Show. If this is your first time listening and you are wondering what this podcast is about, this podcast is all about jujitsu and everything that revolves around it. Before I introduce to you guys my guest of the evening, I have to do some housekeeping. So first, guys, if you like this podcast and you're getting something out of it, please tell one of your BJJ friends about it. And please hit that subscribe button. We are dropping new content every Monday and Wednesday, and you don't want to miss them. Mondays, we have a panel of other jujitsu practitioners, and we talk about our experiences moving up the ranks. We offer you advice that may help you in your pursuit of black belt. Wednesdays, we talk to experts that also train jujitsu and offer you advice in their chosen field of work. So you don't want to miss these. Second, and this is how we pay the bills, you guys. We are selling merchandise again. A lot of people have been asking about the Ratchet Dojo t-shirts. Last year, we made all neon colors and we sold out in like a month. This time, it's all in black because so many of you have asked for it. So please go to RatchetDojo.com to pre-order your limited edition shirt now for only $25. This is a limited edition, you guys. Once they sell out, they are gone. We will start shipping June 1st. And now, welcome to Ratchet Dojo. Hey guys, so my guest for the evening is Mr. Dan Blackmagic Koval. I like to call him my little big brother because he's younger than me. He's smaller than me, but he yells at me as if he's like my big brother. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, I do. (laughs) So, hey, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being here. And the other person on the mic is my friend, who is also a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black, uh, brown belt on the cusp of... Brown belt. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Jesus Palmasano. Hey there, how's it going, Ro? Good to be here. <laughs> All right, so Dan, back to you. So Dan, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? You know, you're a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but where did you come from? You know, how did you guys start in Jiu-Jitsu? Sure. And, you know, what do you do now? Okay? Sure, no problem. Yeah, man. So the, the quick short version of all of this is I've been in martial arts my entire life, specifically grappling combat sports, where I started with judo, very little kid, all the way through my adolescence into my teenage years, the judo, 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 started fighting MMA when I was 17. And then I got to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu right around 20 years old. And then I've been just basically really grinding that out ever since. With that being said, I run two of my own programs in the New York City metro area, one in Tribeca, currently one in Manhattan, and one in Hoboken. And as you can imagine, we're currently on hiatus with the rest of the world, and we're just waiting to uh, get back into things. Yeah, and then your Tribeca location is, uh, because I'm a striker, and, and it fascinates me that <laughs> you're in the world-famous Watt Gym, correct? That's correct. We are currently located in the Watt Gym off the Broadway, on the corner of Reed and Broadway. That is where we've been for the past, oh, now since February of 2019, so now a little over a year. Awesome. So that's where we've been located. I've had a program now for over eight years in Manhattan. Gotcha. So we've been a mainstay, which has been great, but now we're, I think, like everyone else, we're kind of all staring into the abyss of the future. <laughs> what the future of combat sports looks like right now with uh, with the uh, COVID nineteen situation. Yeah, yeah, and um, you're also in the medical field, correct? You have a medical background, is that correct? 
That's correct. That's correct. I'm a registered respiratory therapist as well. I'm not seeing patients currently. But yeah, I could easily go right back into it if need be or if I wanted to or if I was so inclined. But I'm not right now. I'm very busy with my gyms. Got it. You know, so just to recap, so you're a, you're a judo black belt. You're a former MMA correct. fighter. You're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu correct. black belt. You are... That's correct. Yeah, you own two, you know, two programs in two academies, and that's pretty impressive. So what are you doing with your time these days that we're all in quarantine? Well, currently with this time, I am, as I said, kind of waiting and watching and seeing what the situation is. It's very difficult, and I'd imagine this is probably the case for everybody. You know, we're all in this loop of anxiety and then hopefulness and then hopelessness and then optimism and then you know, this constant, like, weird despair, and then you're kind of just pacing around your living quarters. And, you know, it, it's weird. It's very strange. But what I'm doing with my time is basically what I would do with my time regularly. I am teaching and training anyways out of my home with a small group of people. And that's basically the only thing that I've been able to do because we're all in the same boat, the people that I'm training with. So, it's you know, we're all self-quarantined, for lack of a better term. So we're able to train safely without any concerns because none of us, A, are going out to the general public. B, none of us have any people at home that would be in those immunocompromised or older demographics that we would come across and everyone else is working from home and we're staying here and so on and so forth. So basically my day is exactly the same as it was running the businesses, but just at home, which is really bizarre. In a lot of different ways, like I said. So there's a lot of emotional ups and downs. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot of training and there's a lot of banter going on, but it's not going anywhere. Like <laughs> like the banter and the talk and the training, it's like it's just like deja vu because it's just the same handful of people and it's the same conversation because there's literally nothing going on in the world. So we discuss like a lot of different other things. It's this all-consuming concern. And not only just concern, but wonder of like, what's, you know, what's going to happen next. And you find out like some new information about the situation. I'm at least privy to the fact that my wife is also in the healthcare field and she is in pediatrics, she's a primary care provider, but she also had a decade worth of research science prior to going into private practice, which she was doing working on uh, treatment for HIV and cancer. So my prism, all this information is getting filtered through, at least from what is easily digestible for me, is through my wife. So while I'm kind of sitting here fretting and kind of training and doing the normal stuff, I'm kind of relying heavily on hearing things from her and like any type of new information. I feel like a, a little kid I run up to and I'm like, hey, what, what do you think of this? What, what are they discussing? Like when they were talking about hydrochloroquine, is a treatment. And, you know, when they're talking about other drugs and my wife was kind of like trying to explain, you know, this circumstance is not necessarily ideal and it may work, it may not. And we kind of got to be hopeful and you hear that and then it doesn't work. And then you're just like, man, I want to jump out a window. And then like 10 seconds later, you're eating like nachos because you got nothing else to do. So it's just like this weird, it's this weird situation that I don't think anyone, anyone at least in this, this lifetime thought we were going to see. But even though they've been warning of situations like this for many, many years, especially being in the medical community, you've heard of things like this. And I was working exclusively in critical care when there was the last big pandemic with the swine flu, the H1N1 came. And it's, this is different. This is different than the flu. And it's, it's just a very strange situation because you've heard it and we've had a lot of near misses and now we're actually involved in one that is highly infectious. It's, it's affecting everybody, affecting everyone's life. It's, there's no one getting out of this unscathed. So it's just a very, very, lack of a better term, like a real, real strange situation to be in. Not only as a business owner, but just as a human in general, because even though I want my businesses to go back to the way, you know, they were prior to, but my, my main concern is my, my student body. It's not, it's not just me. It's my, you know, my students and their general well-being. Like a lot of them do different things. People are photographers and they're this and they're that. And some are working professionals. And now their life may change for the better. They might be able to get to work from home, which I hope they do. But who knows? Yeah, yeah the who knows so is, really, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really heavy that, that it, you described it really well of the cycle of kind of like hope and not trying to get your hopes up, but like you have nothing else going. And yeah, it's like other than just sitting and eating the nachos or I, I'm choosing ice yeah. cream or the nachos, <laughs> you know, you can't help it. It's, it's just like the, there's just nothing, you know, like that's for certain. The only certainty is that everyone's really kind of floating right now. It's, it's all very surreal. All right. So. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree more with Chris. It is it is the most surreal thing possible because, like I said, no one is not affected by this situation. Whether your life is you know still going on, I don't think anyone's just going about their business. You know what I mean? Like whether commute because my wife is still going to her office to see patients, but her commute is strange now. Like she's like the only person on the train. Like it's so bizarre. The whole thing is so bizarre. Yeah, we're definitely living in uncertain times and, you know, everybody's kind of have to like figure things out almost on an everyday basis. Um, I mean, Ratchet Dojo podcast has been on the thought of my mind for, since for like about a year. But, you know, this pandemic and this quarantine for me to actually just get it going because I have a lot of time on my hand these days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's something, you know, it's funny. I don't mean to cut you off, Robert. No. I just want to mention something about the, the, time, the time on your hands situation, right? Everyone is talking about all this time on their hands. And I'm seeing a lot of people kind of embrace it, you know, like what, like with what you're doing with this podcast, which I think is fantastic. I think people who are using this time to learn a new skill, you know, advancing what they're already wanting to do or what they're doing and, and doing lateral shifts for their business and going online and having more of an online presence. I think it's fantastic. I think other people are so deflated from this. They're just not doing anything. They're just kind of laying there like a, like a, like an animal in a zoo because they're just like, I don't know what else to do with myself. They're not, they're not learning a second language or anything along those lines. They're just confused. <laughs> and I find myself caught in between that all day. I was like, I feel like I should be doing something that I just want to lay there after I'm done because I'm done training or something. Like, I just don't know what to do with myself. Right. And I think that's more common than that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you guys feel about the situation, but like, I think, I think that's more common. I, I guess it's just like, this is like some like commentary that I've had in my head rattling around. Cause I see a lot of people on social media like talking about like, you know, they're learning, they're learning uh, you know, Farsi. They take a trip to, like, you know, the Middle East at some point. I'm like, you're learning Farsi? I'm like, what the, what am I doing with myself? I'm like, fuck. Yeah, a little weird. Yeah, but, but would you say that that has to do with the current situation or, or that's how they are normally anyway, but with or without the pandemic? If a person's lazy, yeah, you know. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. I, in my case, I can only speak to myself. And I think there is some truth that people are just lazy in general. And there are other people that are super applied and they're always going to use their downtime to do something new and something exciting and something that sparks them because they, they're just constantly feeling like they need to be doing something. In my case, I had worked so hard, <clears throat> like a lot of people who were in love with their providing, I found like that marriage between my passion in my energy to create a career and to create a culture in these situations. And I was super happy. I couldn't be happier in terms of what I was doing. It was a lot of work and everything was a lot of work. And I showed up every day and then that was it. And like, besides my, you know, my friends and my family, you know, my job, my, my gyms are everything, you know, to me. So without it, it's very deflating. So I can imagine it being like someone working on Broadway who have been, you know, like singing and dancing since they were a kid, and now they're on Broadway. And now Broadway's closed. Like, what do they do? I'm not saying I'm necessarily, like, emotionally distraught. It's just, like, I kind of feel like I'm, like, I don't, I'm, like, all of my energy on a daily basis, for the most part, went into that, that circumstance. My existence was surrounding and involving my program. So without that, now I'm just, like, this void. Right. And not only that, but this circumstance is kind of threatening, like, when is it going to start? Are we going to be able to start in any sort of timeline that is reasonable for people? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So can we go back to what you were mentioning about concerning, you know, you have your program, you know, in your house mm -hmm. and you have a small yeah. amount of people. So for someone that, you know, 
has been thinking about something like that. You know, first of all, what made you want to do that? And second, what were some of the things that, as far as guidelines, you know, to accept a student? Yeah, you know, it's real straightforward, okay? Like, I, I'm reading and watching, again, with a lot of time in hand, you're kind of just finding yourself scrolling through things. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of social media. I think social media is great. A lot of ideas that get kicked around there, a lot of a lot of connections. And especially at a time like this, you get to see a lot of people are of, you know, of a level of expertise that will be able to help guide some situations for you. So, you know, you're watching people discuss, like, what would their guidelines be when they're able to open their gym again and everything. And I've been training since it began in my house because I'm fortunate enough to, to own a home and have enough space in my basement and everything to be able to put down mats and stuff. And it was real straightforward for me. Like, can't be sick. You can't have anyone who could get sick. You can't have any of those considerations. You really can't be out in public. So you're going to be working from home for the most part. They can't people coming and going and stuff like that. So that's basically what I think the guidelines are going to have to be for for people going to open up their gym. Now, I'm not condoning, condemning any direction people might go with their with their gyms when they go to open up. You know, short of a vaccine or some sort of medical treatment that will you know, shake this virus in a short amount of time and make the risk of being really, you know, in terminal in this situation lower. I think that's the part of living people are going to have to kind of accept when we do go, okay, you guys can go back to fill in the blank, right? Close contact, going to restaurants again without masks on and going to a theater and things like that. You're going to kind of have to accept the fact that, you know, we can mitigate risk to a certain amount, but, the fact that you can get this as quickly as touching a door handle as you could rolling around with somebody, you know, you kind of just shrug your shoulders, you know, obviously anyone's sick, you know, it's not, like just like, that's normal gym rules. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, you've been around gyms forever. Chris has been around gyms forever. You know, so have I, no one should come into a gym sick. Right. You know what I mean? And I know in the, in the thing that people will tell you is like, well, people are asymptomatic. So let's take it back a step, right? Let's talk about, some of the things people want to do. They want to take people's temperature, okay? There's a handful of things that are kind of difficult about taking people's temperature when they come in, even with one of those laser temperatures that read the forehead. If you're sitting in the car and you're hot in the car and you get out of the car, we're in the subway train in our case, or the train and stand in the sun talking to somebody, go up to the door afterwards, that thing's going to read incorrectly multiple times, and it's going to take a few times for it to actually get a correct reading on your head. That in and of itself is kind of frightening for most people. And they're like, oh, you know, you get a temperature. It's like, well, read it again. And then you don't have a temperature. Like, who's going to feel comfortable training with that person afterwards? I mean, I personally wouldn't have a problem. I understand that there's some of those temperature readers are, are not necessarily the, the best guidelines. But that immediately, like, sparks, like, you know, fear in people. There's already, like, there's a lot of unknowns about this situation. So a lot of people are kind of, already walking around with a lot of trepidation about it. So when we do go back to training, I think there is going to be people who are still concerned to a certain degree. So the temperature thing is kind of like, shrug your shoulders, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. Then you can go, well, everyone has to get a test, right? So let's say everyone can afford the test because it's costing people money, right? I don't know about mandating it, but I'm going to ask people to do it. So let's say half the gym tests and they have antibodies, right? And then the other half of the gym is negative for the uh, the virus, right? So everyone is good to go to train day one. And let's say you and I are training together Monday, bro, right? And then Tuesday morning, you get the virus somehow. But you keep coming in and training. And you're, you're asymptomatic the whole entire time. For two weeks, you could be asymptomatic. You're, like, you're going to give people the virus. You know what I mean? Or like, and that's the other thing. This circumstance was not to stop everyone from getting the virus. Basically, everyone in the medical community in this circumstance is kind of like, we're mitigating as much risk as possible. But the the whole point of this shelter in place was for not to overwhelm the healthcare system all at once, but to kind of allow people to get it at different times. Because most people aren't even going to get ill. They may get sick, may not get sick. They may get really sick. They may may not get sick at all. Who knows? 
it's a really difficult thing. So it's basically going back to what you originally asked, like, how do you figure out? It's like, listen, you just go, get anyone that you can get, stay home. Grandma can't be living with you. You know what I mean? If you got to accept the fact that you may or may not get this virus, whether it's here or at the store or somewhere else, and can't come in sick, you know? That, that's basically it. it. You know, from my home, I've had a handful of other things, like I said, like, can't be traveling out for work and things like that because, you know, I didn't want people being going in and out of places and stuff. So, but besides that, I don't, I don't really know what else to do. And I don't really know what anyone else wants to do. I'm seeing these ideas of like one training partner for X amount of time for, it's like, you know, how realistic is that? Because then you're going to ask yourself, it's like, how many people are going to want to keep doing that for how long? Right. Like, how can you have classes with that? You know, I just don't know. These, these, by the way, these are the type of conversations that constantly go on all the time with all this free time. It's just nothing but this conversation over and over again in different forms and fashion. Yeah, but it's always great to hear from a different point of view, you know, because everybody's take on sure. things are different. And especially with you, you know, having a medical background and, you know, your wife's in the medical field. And I think you have more experience than Joe Schmo that yeah, and, goes on Facebook every day and get their information from there. Sure. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, I'm not trying to be condescending to anyone when I discuss this. I actually stopped talking about it with anyone online for like the past month and a half. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's really it's not getting terrible. anywhere. Yeah. It, it's really bad, and I don't want. And I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I. I mentioned a few times I'm a respiratory therapist in this, in social media discussions in hopes that I was just trying to give people some perspective. Like, listen, man, there's no. We don't know what's happening. You know, like ultimately, we get. We got to do what's important right now. We got to take the precautions. Everyone needs to pull it back, just because we as a nation flubbed the initial response to the situation. So the only thing we really could do to try to keep people safe and kind of get our arms around this and mitigate the triage death is everyone do the best, stay home, stay out of public and everything. And now I think you're seeing, I think you're seeing it, especially what's, you know, what's today, mid-May, you know, May, whatever, 12th or something like that. You're starting to see people going like, okay, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? Los Angeles has, I think, as of today, just extended their their shelter in place for three months. What do you think that's going to do to people in general? Like, not only not even business wise stuff, but it's you have one segment of the political machine telling you it's not a big deal, and almost anyone, a lot of them, are always saying that. And then the next word out of the mouth is like, well, "We got to make sure we don't kill people unnecessarily." There's a lot of mixed messages coming through to people. And you're just, all I try to do when I discuss it with people is like, listen, do what you feel comfortable with. At this point, I think a lot of people have done a lot of their social duty in terms of staying away and staying out of large crowds and things like that. Now people are just looking for direction to go in. And I think a lot of people are waiting to be told what to do next. I really think they don't know what to do. So anytime I discuss it with people, I just try to give them a little bit of information and not trying to tell them what to do, but just like, hey man, take your take stock of what you got going on. If you feel comfortable doing something, I think you should be able to do it. But I don't know what that even means right now, because I don't even know what people are, you know, there's a lot of back and forth with people. And I think some of the people who get really, really upset with people who say, Hey, I just want to go back to work or I just want to go back out to society. I just want to be able to go go to a restaurant if I, if the restaurant wants to be open and I want to go to it, I think I should be able to go to it. And I think the people who shout them down at that point right now and kind of go like, you're going to, you're going to kill people unnecessarily. I think those people are the people who now are getting to work from home who used to hate going to their job and hated their commute. And now they're getting to do the same job from home and they're getting paid the same amount of money and they're getting to spend a lot of time with their family they're getting the best of both worlds. Now, I'm not saying everyone is, is like that right now. Right. That is of the camp of, we should keep this going, you know, we can't have anyone else die. But I think a lot of people are. And I think as quickly as they are to remind you that people may die, I think other people who are in the, the camp of, hey, I just, I just want to see things move in a direction of like sustainability. We were set up in a certain way, society, to kind of, you know, do things like make things happen, have businesses, so on and so forth. 
And most people that are talking like that are not people who I, I hear people say like, why do you want to just go back out into society and make money to pay your bills? Like most of the people are like, I'm a small business. Owner. I just want to make money to keep a roof over my head and food on my table. It's like, I'm not trying to be rich or I'm not working for Google per se. You know, it's like, you know, working for one of these large companies and just keeping them making billions of dollars. Right. I hope that it's coming through clear. Like I'm again, I'm not condoning or condemning how anyone feels. I just think that there's a lot of uncertainty. And when I discuss it with people, I just try to give them perspective. And that's all I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm not trying to make people think one way or the other. I just hopefully, because there is so much, like everyone is just like turned way up. Their concern is way up, whether it be financially or health wise, concern for their family, concern for their friends. Just try to bring it down a little bit. Try to certainly don't make, maybe, for lack of a better term, like some positive, you know, perspective. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's really hard. I think you put it really well is like, as this goes on and on, when there's not a central authority, however defined, like people are, there's so much uncertainty and they're kind of looking for, yeah, a glimmer of hope or just some version or some semblance of like reality as it existed. And they can't, right? Like with everything, it's probably not either extreme. It's not like we go back and, you know, just send send grandma back to work at the factory kind of thing. Like sure. that that might be might not be the best idea. But as well, I don't know any realistic way where you just extend this, what, twelve to eighteen months before we have a vaccine and a very indeterminate before we even have treatment or full scale contact tracing or any of the yeah. things that seem to be effective. Like if those were like, okay, one month from now we have you know, a full contact tracing system and we have this treatment and da, 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 da. You can kind of tell people like it's going to be another terrible month and then you guys can basically go back to some version of reality. Right. But like literally now it's like, I think it was the, the British prime minister where they just sort of, he's like, frankly, we don't know and kind of <laughs> hunker down. This might be a really long time. Like, yeah. And that's uh, hard to look yeah, at it. Like, especially if you, if you don't have any either financial means or, or as you were describing as well, like you were saying it's not about the money, but it's, it's like you care truly about your students and your business and it's, it's your life and your actual life is on hold. And that's, that's super hard. I, I would, can only imagine. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's one of those things. And I think this is the thing where, you know, politics aside, and every and all that type of stuff aside, you know, when we discuss this situation, I don't think there's a single person who is not thinking of how unfortunate it is for anyone to get sick or sick and die. Or like, I think that's getting lost. You know what I mean? I think that really is getting lost when people discuss. I think people think some people are, you know, just this unfeeling monster, and other people are calling other people like you're worrying too much and blah blah. And, I, and it's like I don't think either one. No one's really in either one of those camps. I think everyone's looking at it from different perspectives and they're trying to keep things in, you know, in view, which is really important to them at that moment. You know, you know what would really eliminate this, in my opinion, and again, I've discussed this ad nauseum like probably every day <laughs> since this started, is like you really want full compliance with this, right? You want to go, hey, folks, we don't know when this is going to end. We need to come up with some sort of situation, you know, whether it be treatment, if people get sick or a vaccine or whatever, we need to go, okay, folks, whoever's working, we're going to send you a check. Cause they're printing money anyways. You know, let's be honest. Like that's, that's the case, right? You know, like the country's in trillions of dollars and that we see that clock anytime we're in Union Square. We're in debt anyway. So there's printing money. Why don't they just send people a average income, monthly income check? I think if they did something along those lines, and when I say they, I mean the powers that be, the government would be, you know, state government, federal government, whomever. If they just send that, they go, listen, stay close to a handful of people, stay in your house, do whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think there's have an issue. I really don't. I think everyone would be satiated and satisfied. But I think where the, where the split comes, or at least the discourse, when people are talking, you know, you know we got armed people showing up at state capitals, which is as crazy as anything. You know what I mean? It's like, it's fine to protest, but like, you know, you have people with guns just showing up for no reason. Like, man, 
you can see it getting to people. You know what I mean? Like, like you, and, and then you've got really nice people you've known your whole entire life getting mad at people who want to go to work because they don't have any, they, they're like, listen, I'm going to lose my family business that's been around for a century if I don't do something. You know, and their neighbors who they've been friends with are getting mad at like, just can't, why can't you just stay home? Do you think life is, you know, your job's more important than my grandma's life or my kid's life? It's like, no. No one thinks that. I don't think anyone thinks that. And that's yeah. why, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I really think that's the unfortunate part about this. And, again, I hate playing, but I don't even like bringing up politics, but the fact that they wanted to give people $100, not, not even everybody, right? There's all these stipulations according to, like, whether or not you get $1,200. $1,200. Let's just, you know, you can just play with that amount of money for two seconds, right? $1,200. Let's say you're a grown-up. You got an apartment in Wisconsin, the worst apartment in Wisconsin. What, five hundred dollars? Yeah, five, five. You know what I mean? Five hundred bucks. You know what I mean? So five hundred dollars that went right away to your apartment for the month. Another hundred dollars for your cell phone, at least. Like I don't think I don't even think Cricket has the cell phone plan that's under hundred bucks anymore. You're down to six hundred bucks. And maybe you don't qualify for unemployment. Maybe you don't qualify for certain things. Like, you know what I mean? That one, like people are looking around they're just, and they're totally indifferent to the government now because they, they, the government's telling you to do one thing, but there is no help coming from that. Not a shocker, but at the same time, you know, you're, they're, they're asking you to do something for the greater good. And they're not even helping people in like a time relevant situation and again this is this is across all political lines like there isn't i don't think anyone is doing a great job you know no matter how well they put a sentence together i don't think anyone is doing a stellar job you know so i just don't know what people want to do i know I, I think chris you're you know you're outside the city currently and i think we're always inside the city you know, things may look differently for different people in different situations. And it's so confusing. At least for me, it's very confusing. It, it, it feels very confusing that, like, you're trying to stay optimistic, but the situation is so volatile, it appears. No, I, do, I just don't really know what to say to people. Yeah, I mean, it's really different. I, and you're right. It's like it's quite confusing because when I look at social media, it seems like everybody is at home, quarantine, et cetera. But when I step outside of my apartment here in New York City, and life is moving, meaning like everybody's out and about, you know, with their face mask yeah. on, their gloves on. But I don't see any, like, there, there is no quarantine, it seems like, in the city. It's it, There's definitely a few less people, I guess that has to do with a lot of people that don't come into work to Manhattan. But for the most part, it's quite busy here in the city. And, you know, restaurants, some restaurants are starting to, you know, offer delivery services, you know, all these fancy restaurants, you know, they realize, you know, that at first they were not willing to participate. And now they're like, I better start, you know, <laughs> doing this delivery thing. Or otherwise, yeah. this is going to go under. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the crazy thing, right? No one's not affected by this. No one. No one is above the fray, right? If you got a storefront somewhere, no one is above the fray. So let me ask both of you guys a question because I'm really curious because, again, I'm, there's there's such limited actual contact with people. Like, yeah, social media and stuff like that, and you can call and things like that, but thanks to you guys in a situation where I can speak to you outside of text and things like that, it's, it's kind of unique. It seems like we don't actually call each other. We just communicate via text now. Well, how do you guys feel? Like, what do you guys think the steps should be in terms of, just in the gym, just in the gym stuff, because we're all, we're all involved in gyms, right? Right. What do you think of the reasonable, rational situation is going to look like for gyms once gyms are permitted? Now, let me say this before, before you answer. Whoever wants to go first. I think gyms are going to, like, especially combat sports gyms, are going to be the last thing to go back into action, which I'm not going to disagree with. I'm not going to, I'm not, yeah, like if they said tomorrow, fine. If they say, you know, three months from now, fine. I'm not really, because again, like, as I already mentioned, I, I'm just going to allow people to come at their comfort level. And it seems, according to my student base that I've discussed with, everyone is on the same page with it. Everyone's kind of gamming. It's like, there's really nothing we can do about it. Like it is what it is. We got to go back out to society. Period. End of story. And that's what it is. So, 
Let's hear it. I'm interested in what you guys think. Chris, why don't you go first? Uh, you want to go first, sir? No, okay. you go first. Uh, me? Okay. So, yeah, right. I'm going to assume off the top that it's the same general situation now where there's not any, you know, inexpensive rapid tests or free rapid tests yeah. or anything that gives us meaningfully more control. And I agree with you totally on the temperature stuff. There's one, what you said going, you know, it's hotter than expected and it was just hot outside, but I had read something of they were doing that in a, a meat plant or something. And the person basically, I don't know, took anti-inflammatories or something. He did have a temperature and he just did something to like get around it. So you would hope no one in the gym would do something like that. But, but anyway, it doesn't yeah. provide any, any info. So yeah, I think the second guideline you said of, yeah, you're not around or living with older people. Like that's, you know, that's the reason that I'm not, not doing any training other than with my brother right now is I'm here with my stepdad, 77 and sure. you know, we're older people. So I think that's on kind of the, the person who's deciding to come into train is if you're with a vulnerable population, like, you know, if we know something, it's that it really seems to affect people above 70, 75 and the, the nursing homes and the whatever, especially if you're in close contact with that kind of population in yeah. terms of, Young, healthy, that population, I think for the foreseeable future, yeah, some version of like buyer beware a little bit of just like you have to put your trust a little bit on the other people in the gym and you hope that the people really take their precautions as seriously as possible. Because, yeah, I think uh, I think I saw it on, on Facebook. Maybe you had posted or someone else had posted and it was like, was it that two thirds of New Yorkers who got tested positive said that they had been like fully quarantining. But then to what Rose says is like, that means a lot of different things to different people. And you just hope that, yeah. I mean, I remember like a couple weeks before I left the city and riding on the subway and people are just like legitimately just coughing on other people. And, you know, he probably just had a cold or a flu or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah. dropping my jaw is just like, hopefully we develop a certain degree of, I mean, basic social or human courtesy and kind of awareness on how we can keep as safe as possible, right? People visibly are doing the masks and maybe gloves. And I'm certainly washing my hands way more than I used to, like, uh, not yeah. that I was dirty before, but just all the time. So maybe it's some version of that. It's just really strict with the washing before and after and certain amount of agreement that, you know, I have kept under reasonable circumstances, at least for the time being. I'm not working in a nursing home right now or a frontline medical worker or, you know, something like that. Because, yeah, the tests, you could get the tests on Monday you're exposed Tuesday, you expose the whole gym on Wednesday. That's, that's hard. It's really hard. It, it is. And it's something I think people are, are kind of, are kind of skipping over, especially when they talk about like, they're going to do all these things and they're going to do all this stuff. It's like, even if they do like a lot of the masks and must still let people come in, I go, what if the person still gets some, like they touch the door handlers, you know, whatever the circumstances. And I think, before before Roe answers, there's something that you said, Chris, that kind of resonated with that brought it up. And it's like, you know, I think about this. You know, it's like we talk about the responsibility we have to each other as training partners, as teammates. And I always think it's like there, there's a certain segment of people who are run gyms and own gyms. And they, they, were, they took a really hard moral stance. Like they were doing everyone a favor by doing like the thing that everyone was going to eventually have to do. But then I go, I go, how many times have we trained with people who were hard drug addicts that were really promiscuous with the way they lived their life, with, with X amount of things? And I think about that all the time. Think about how many people have come in with colds over the years and things like that. And then I think about, like you had just mentioned too, Chris, people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're saying they're doing what they're doing, like even with masks and gloves. Then I don't know if you guys remember this or not. Just when I think the weekend when we all got told that we have things were going to get locked down, that guy I took the picture of the guy with the gloves on 
on the subway with the gloves on. He also had the mask, but he pulled down the mask and he was touching the food that he was eating with the gloves and he was putting it in his mouth. <laughs> and I posted online. And I was like, this is exactly like, this is what we're dealing with. Like these people, <laughs> people are saying that they're doing things and they're doing things according to what, but it's almost just for show. It's like, they're not, they're not even really doing it. They're not really doing it. You know, it's like, yeah, you got it on, but then you got it off for most of the time. And you're eating and you're touching your gloves. And God knows what you touch with those gloves. And now you're touching the food. It's like, and I think about how and I extrapolate that out in my head. And I go, there's just no way of keeping people safe from other stupid people in this situation. And not even stupid, just good intention people might be just, like you said, Chris, the guy coughed me on the train. Like, probably just, you know, kind of regular cold, but he's not even thinking about Because before this, man, people coughed and sneezed, and for goodness sakes, there's bums sleeping on the train with God knows what, you know? And we didn't really think much of it. I don't know what people are going to do now. Like, I don't know what people can do now when they re-enter society. I don't know. <laughs> like, we know drinking and driving is bad for you, right? For years, we've known that. Yeah. People still go out and drink and drive every weekend. Like, and it takes about two seconds for people to drink and drive. Same thing with, like, like bad drugs. Like, really bad drugs. Like, heroin and meth. And people still get hooked on it every day. Yeah. So you think... You know what I mean? Like you go, okay, so maybe everyone's going to follow the rules for like the first two weeks and then there's going to be a sharp decline of everything. And society's just going to go right back to its debauchery seven seconds later. No matter what you're doing, right? So no matter what I'm doing, no matter what you're doing, no matter what Roe's doing, we're doing all the time. Everyone around us is doing what we're supposed to be doing. But then we go touch a, a Starbucks handle before we go and practice or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? And you just touch the door to get in and then someone else touches the door, but they rub their eyes. Because that's one of the easiest ways for people to get viruses. And I try to tell people all the time, it's not so much your nose, your mouth, but it's actually touching your eyes. And you post it, there's really just, just, it's just like a gateway right to the rest of your body. And right away, now that person has the virus. And now they, they had the test on Monday, like I said, and now they're infected with the virus on Tuesday. So it's kind of like one of those situations you're just going to be like, hey, man, I, you know, we're going to have to roll with this. You know, it's crazy. What, what do you think, bro? Well, my thought is I'm just glad I got my black belt before all this shit went down. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Makes sense. So that's just selfish me uh, talking, though. But uh, <laughs> right. this is completely out of my uh, expertise. And, and why I say that is because I've, I've actually never thought about it. But I'm just like just waiting it out. Uh, frankly speaking, and I don't think if, even if uh, academies do open up in let's just say September, I don't think mm -hmm. I'll be going until I don't know maybe next year. You know, the only thing I can think about is like mm -hmm. so my experience as far as like you know being a boxing coach and being at at Mendes Boxing Gym when they do open up and if they do open up, let's just say they open up this summer. I don't think I will be stepping in for a while. And, and why I say that is because I feel like being in Manhattan or and living and working in Manhattan, I feel like my clients would be interested more in training outside because they've been cooped up for months inside their apartment and stuff. And, yeah. and the gym is like dirty, you know? And from that perspective, uh, or the boxing gym's perspective, it's just, if I were to do that, let's just say it starts turning fall, I would be gloved up mask on, maybe even glasses on and, uh, you know, and making sure that there's Purell everywhere for my clients. Nobody can be around us, meaning like you can't say hello and, <laughs> you know, practicing social distance inside a boxing gym and wiping everything down because the gym is completely, you know, the sweat and, you know, the spit and, and all that stuff. So a lot of things got to change as far as boxing culture as, as well, like taking off your shirt and, you know, sweat all, all over the place. So, you know, uh, the answer to your question is I really don't know. And I, I'm going to just leave, bow out on this topic because I'm not an expert around it. And, and I'm going to, going to leave that to experts. Sure. But, but, I feel I that, but I feel that you guys have covered a lot, you know, as far as what to do when things start to open up. This is just my opinion. So. No, listen, this is all of our opinions, right? Yeah. No one is calling me from the government to find out what my expert opinion <laughs> about this situation is, right? Like, they don't give 
two shifts when I think about this. I have a working knowledge of, you know, medicine in a specific field, which this particular virus is affecting people with. But that doesn't mean I like I have an expert opinion. You know what I mean, it's just, this is just my opinion of the circumstance. I guess ultimately to, to ask you to just to give a little bit more information, what you're thinking is because, oh, yeah. like well, I said, like well, my if, if, response, it, if it's easy to, my immediate response would be like, "Off, oh, I, I quit jujitsu." <laughs> <laughs> that's that. You know what? That's crazy to me because you know why I think it's crazy. Not that. Listen, and again, I'm not condemning, condoning, judging anyone. But like I said, is that people are easily able to get this if you were standing in the grocery store next to each other that too closely. True. Yeah. Right? Then what's the difference about going to train? All right. All right. Now I agree. Um, that's that's my that's my question to people. It's like if it's a highly infectious virus, which it is, and they expect everyone to come into contact at some point, whether or not you get really sick or become asymptomatic, what's the difference? Yeah, that's the only thing I ask of people. You know what I mean? Like that's I'm not expecting you to have the right answer. I'm just interested in your opinion because I I've been asking everyone this, and I've had a chance to discuss it with, especially people who are in this world with us, right? Because we're all in this world together. And I'm talking about the combat sports world. And we all have lives outside of it. But I'm just very interested in what people think. Because you got to admit, you know, to do combat sports, you got to kind of be cool with gross stuff to begin with. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> regardless, if, regardless if your clients row, you know, you have these high-end boxing clients who are very well-to-do and they love their Gucci gloves or whatever else, their Louis Vuitton gloves. <laughs> I understand they have very particular sensibilities, but they're willing to go into that boxing gym with you, which, like you mentioned, is not necessarily the beacon of cleanliness, Definitely especially not. with dudes without their shirts on. And you know what I mean? Those masks have been there since the you know, Reagan administration. Like, I still wonder, like, do people understand that they're going to come into contact with this? Unless they climb back into the Matrix pod and wait this out, like, they're going to have to come to, to terms with the fact that this is here. It's a microbe. If you don't get it now, it's again, unless you go for the vaccine, that's 100%, 100%. Yeah. And there, I don't think there's a vaccine on planet Earth that still gives you 100% rate of you know, immunity to things it's like ninety nine point nine. You're gonna come in contact. Yeah, I guess we're just gonna you know, just, see who is not dead by the time this is all over. <laughs> <laughs> and then come I guess, on, and I guess they're good. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you want to roll? See, that's the, listen. That's the thing I say to people. It's like, I, man, I understand it's scary and stuff. I go, but dude, you're not gonna like, especially people that train, right? you're typically a little more healthy than the general human population. Right. If for nothing else, you come into contact with way more scuzzy germs just from training. Right. Just from being in that. Oh, yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like just from being in there, like rolling around with different people all the time and just boxing with people and touching yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're already got some level of immunity. It's a little bit higher than of the course. normal, normal walking human. I just, that's my perspective, at least. Like, that's that's how I look at it. Again, I don't think I'm right, per se. I just think it seems to be the way that you don't drive yourself crazy and at least can assimilate back into what you would consider normalcy, whatever normalcy is for you. Like, I don't want to see people not want to go to dinner at a restaurant without, you know, their, their waiter being in a bubble. You know what I mean? Like, like even if you have mask on, what if your waiter doesn't? Right. You know, what's going on in that back kitchen? Or how about the theater? I, I hear people that are scared about going to the movies. I don't want people not to go to the movies. You know what I mean? Like, I just want people to kind of take a deep breath and go, you know, it is what it is. Right. You know? Right. Well, that gets at, like, the deeper thing in this, right, is you're identifying all the things that are just part of, like, not even just modern culture, but kind of just, like, human culture. Like, yeah. like humans go places and do things together in close physical speaking, touching, shaking hands, hugging, all this stuff. And yeah, like people will not be able to live for, let's just say the 12 to 18 months. And let's just go with the chance that it's a highly effective vaccine or whatever. Yeah. Like people can deal with a recession and especially if they do a better job with giving people money in their pockets and whatever. But I don't think people will really do well with no restaurants, no theater, no 
any of this kind of like social activity where people can just like be people. It's really, really hard to fathom right now. And it's very, very uncertain how people are going to react because like, I don't know, 9-11 happened and people were really, really scared about terrorism for a little bit. And then I don't, I, I, I think it faded into the background. I could be wrong, but you know, I'm certainly not actively scared going on an airport or a subway or anything like that. And I certainly was in like early 2002. Sure. I wonder if this will have, you know, an adjustment period and then people will just go back. I mean, that's, that's the thing that I spend a lot of time thinking about is just like, what will the after effects? Cause like people have said like, Oh, will like handshaking go away? And it's like, that'd be a big adjustment. Like we've been shaking hands for a while now. Like, right. Right. I listen. There's. I don't think any. You know what I mean? It's like people love to hug and kiss, and like yeah. like we've seen that you take, extrapolate it out even further. Like people that are very they date a lot. You know what I mean? Like God, you know, like what? You think Tinder's gonna go away anytime soon? <laughs> Tinder, like, you know, like there's probably gonna be a COVID nineteen <laughs> Tinder app that's gonna show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a lot. Like just just being a human is not going to go away. And by you know our design, we are social animals, like Chris would mention. I think a lot of people are just going to go back into that rhythm. And and I think you hit it right on the head, Chris, when you mentioned another you know really dramatic effect or a really dramatic event that shook people, you know, and made them think about how they did business and how they traveled and how they, but I think probably spring break 2002, there was people going right on planes to Cancun, you know what I mean? Like there were people right back to their normal selves and people were going right back to work in high rises. And, you know, like it, it just, it may take a little bit, kind of like a caveman coming out, and seeing the sun for the first time and not exactly sure what it is. But after a while, I think they'll be like, yeah, it just is what it is. And that's the worst cop-out sentence on planet Earth. It is what it is. But there's really no other way to explain it because we can't eradicate it. It's not like this virus is only here for a semester and it's going to pack its bags and leave afterwards. Like, this is going to be here. Period. End yeah. of story. Just like, right. just like the H1N1. People still get the H1N1 flu every year, just because it's not a huge thing anymore. It's people still sick with it. People still get Ebola, and that was a terrible situation, dude. That was, and I tell people this, and people like look at me askew when I'm telling them this. I go, that was way more frightening than and they, that causes necrotic tissue and the the death of that is terrible. It's like melt, like in a certain way. It's terrible. Dying isn't that good anyways, period of the story, but like that, that's frightening stuff. You know, this is a situation, and again, I'm not downplaying the seriousness of this, and I'm not, not at all positioning how this is affecting people, and if it's people have had loved ones pass away, it's terrible. But most people that end up with this don't even get really ill. They get a cold, you know what I mean? And that, right. again, that's not going, hey, it's something people don't, shouldn't take it seriously. But that's just kind of the thing. And it's like, you know, it's like, I understand it's scary, but we got to kind of look at the facts and look at the situation. You know, and that's the other scary thing. We don't even know what the facts are because we only have like real-time data. Right. Not everyone's getting tested. They're only testing people who are sick and are suspected for it. You know what I mean? Like, so we don't even know what we're, what we're actually dealing with either. And that is what I've said since the beginning. The fact that this started with a with a person in Seattle was the first people that were that tested positive for this. I go, you don't think multiple other people came through different airports during that same time period with this? Yep. Oh sure. Yeah. For sure. You know, yeah. You know I mean? Like you gotta you gotta be real about that situation. Like everyone acts like, oh no, it's just you know people in Seattle. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, you just can't, like that type of that, that thinking. It's like you know, you kind of, you know, you just gotta accept certain things that are that are the reality of the situation so, to what we know as of right now. All right, lots to think about, you guys. All right. <laughs> A nice, nice, light conversation. Yeah, yeah. very, very light conversation. All yeah, right. existential so, um, so we're reaching about a one-hour mark now, guys. So, any last, I guess, piece of advice? 
for any someone that's at home and they're just kind of like being a worried bug? I know we covered a lot of things, but any last piece of advice? Yeah, you know, ultimately the thing that works for me is always been the mantra, no matter what. There's two shell path. One of those things you got to kind of accept when you're faced with a challenge, especially stuff that is feels like it's out of your hands, right? You're, you got an injury, you know, you've got to kind of go, this will pass. Time enough will go by and things will get better. It may suck right now, but this will pass. In addition to that, I don't think you need to put any more pressure on yourself to learn how to become a physicist during this time period or learn how to, you know, play the violin or anything like that. That's not your thing. <laughs> I do think people should be active, though. Whatever that is, I think people should be working out. That's so underrated. Even if it's running stairs in your apartment building, you can run stairs, you can do bodyweight exercises, you can do a combination of different things. There's a way to stay active in this situation, and I hope people are doing that because that will allow you to get your mind off things. It will hopefully get you in a different mind state, and you'll feel better about yourself because that's something tangibly you can control in a situation that feels like it's kind of out of your control. It's kind of spilling out all over the place. That has been the way that I've always viewed exercise and training. It's the result is directly correlated with my effort in showing up. So that is something that I know I can control. And that's a positive. Yeah, I think even beyond the control part is right. Say you're, you know, we're the self-selected group of people who are doing combat sports and things that are very, very physically strenuous is right now, if you're one of the people who, you know, when the jujitsu gym's not open or boxing or whatever you're doing, and then you're just sitting at home, home is like your body's so far off of its routine and just like right a lot of kind of biochemical stuff happens when you're you know get your endorphins going you're kind of pushing yourself pretty hard and like I know for me it's it's nowhere near as fun to do the push-ups or run stairs or whatever but like you really do feel a bit better and you certainly as, as Dan was saying you feel accomplished and you can control it and hey you know it's something to do and you'll at least have like made some progress um, going back, maybe your injuries will be a little healed up. You'll be a little stronger. And yeah, cause you know, it's fine. You don't need to learn French or, or whatever language, but it, it's good to make some physical progress, have some progress in something. It gives you a reason versus, you know, repeating the same conversations. What's new? Oh, nothing. I read this news article. What's new? Like da, 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 da. At least, at least you're doing something. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And for me, you know, I go back to jujitsu when I did get hurt or so. Let's just say I, I separate a ribcage or something during training. And I've always ended up taking time off. That was like, I always looked at it as an opportunity to step away from jujitsu and, and learn something new. I, I completely, I'm not the type of person that has to obsess about jujitsu. I actually look at it as an opportunity to turn off the plug to come back refresh. So I completely jump into something creative or something that will help my career down the line. So in this situation, for me, I was pretty much on YouTube every single day trying to figure out, you know, or learning from other people that are good at podcasting and, and stuff like that. And, you know, learning a new skill. I think this is a great opportunity for all of us to learn a new skill. You know, I mean, if you want to learn French, then, you know, then by all means, you know, if you want to learn a violin, that's totally up to you. But <laughs> that's just my opinion. But, you know, sure. take this opportunity, you guys, to, you know, make yourself better. There's always something, whether that's reading a book, whether that's, you know, um, going on YouTube. There's, man, there's so much information out there. And I guess what all I'm trying to say, and I think that's what we're all trying to say, is just like, take this opportunity to improve because that's really what we are as human beings, in my opinion. And that's why we do jujitsu. It's like to improve. And that's pretty much all I got I'm to say around this. More. So thanks for being on Dan Koval. And if you are interested you. in finding out more about Dan Koval, he has several jiu-jitsu videos. Can you tell everyone about your Instagram, your website? Yeah, website is uh, dancovaljujitsu.com. You know, my Instagram, I think, is exactly the same thing as Dan Jiu Jitsu. Um, basically, update every single day, post techniques, 
I have some instructionals available um, through DigiJitsu that I think digijitsuonline.com, if I'm not mistaken, is the website. Yeah, I'm really easy to get a hold of. So if you're having questions about training or interested in training or just want to know why people would train, you can always message me. I'm really, really easily contacted through that Facebook and so on and so forth and Twitter and everything. I look forward to hearing from anyone and everyone. And I hope everyone stays healthy and safe throughout this whole entire situation. And we get back to doing what we all enjoy, whatever that may be, sooner than later. Yeah, if there's one guy that you guys should really learn from as far as armbar, it's Dan Koval. His black magic technique <laughs> is amazing. I've been training with him since maybe a blue belt. And it always ends up, the pathway is always the same. You know, he'll either sweep me, pass my guard, and next thing you know, I'm in an armbar for five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, we we yeah. somehow didn't we somehow didn't end up talking about that, but yeah, I will I will echo that that Dan, I've trained with a lot of people in jujitsu. Dan is in the very 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 top echelon, an incredible competitor, and just his technique is awesome. So yeah, you yeah. Know. Yeah, I mean, that's great. <laughs> and like my previous podcast, I said, you know, there are black belts and there are black belts. And Dan Koval's Black Magic is one of the best. Anyways, you guys, yeah, tune into or go on our Instagram, Ratchet Dojo. If you have any questions or feedback or anything, you guys, please hit us up on at Ratchet Dojo. And again, the website is ratchetdojo.com. Chris, any last words? I uh, know. That was great, bro. Thanks. This was awesome. All right, guys. Until next time, good night and peace out.